0: I think two more services after this one. And then we have the last service uh, before Thanksgiving. And in that last Sunday service before Thanksgiving, we will, uh, I I will ordain uh, (laughs) Tui and John and Marilyn. Um, And then maybe we'll have a uh, baptism or something, perhaps the deacons will run up and down the aisles with water
1: guns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There have, in fact, been several requests uh, for baptisms of children, and so we think we'll probably do it at that time. So that means that we have this service and two more uh, and I thought that that aren't planned, so I thought that what we could do these uh last three services is uh questions and answers uh, three three Sundays of questions and answers for three years. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so I'll begin with a few that have been asked this week. And then you can remember that the next two Sundays, if there is some particular question that you'd like to ask, uh, please feel free to do so. As usual, I'll see anyone after church who wants to talk. So if you have a special question you want to ask me in private, that's fine. This first one is, a, is, of course, a perennial question about the difficulty of staying in the present. So let's look at that a little different way. We, we've, we've talked about mind training in the dispensable church, and of course in miracles talks about disciplining the mind and training the mind. But there is a deeper truth, which the Course also alludes to, and perhaps it's time to look at this deeper truth. The only purpose that mental training serves is to clarify your true will clarify what you wish in your heart, to bring it forward, so to speak. So it's as if we have two wills, which is, of course, impossible, but it seems that way. We have the will of our childhood. We have the will of our of our training that this life is, has given us. We have a number of incorrect lessons that we have learned that we were taught that they've, that they've been pass, passed down from generation to generation and so your parents did not blossom forth from nothing they had parents too and they made a little more progress just as their parents had And perhaps the lessons were not quite as strident, but they were passed on nonetheless. And this, of course, differs with each person here as to what lessons you were taught and what way you were instructed, usually unconsciously, usually not with words but more with actions and with feelings that you picked up as a child as to what was really important in the world, what really had value and what had to be avoided and what really didn't matter that other people were running after. And the time simply comes for us to let this go. And the time has come for you to let these unhappy lessons go. They are not your identity, they are not even what you believe. And yet we have this habit of carrying them around and even of passing them on ourselves. But sooner or later, this must stop, and there is no reason it cannot stop with us. And training the mind really means nothing more than looking into your own heart, that which was untouched by your childhood and by the other lessons that came later looking in your heart and seeing what you truly believe and what you truly want, looking in that spot over and over again, looking at it in peace, taking the contents up and gazing upon them, cherishing them and loving them, prizing them and dwelling on them. And then looking back at the old sad lessons and letting them slip through your hands, opening your fingers and letting them gently slip away. So what really goes on in this difficulty of staying in the present, which every teaching has always pointed to, is absolutely essential to our way home. It is not a difficulty at all. It is merely a lack of commitment. Why do you find staying in the present difficult? Simply because you do not love God. If you truly love God, you would stay in the present with ease. And yet you do love God. In your heart, this is all you've ever wanted. And so now is the time to not play around with difficulties and confusions and questions and tricky training techniques. The present is the door to the heart of God. The present is where reality is found. So let each instant of this day flower before your feet. Walk right into it. Love what you are doing. Remind yourself of who you are and where you are and what you are doing. Who am I and what am I doing? And now your mind is on the present, it lies at your feet like a vast garden of flowers. So notice this never absence of the present. Notice the presence and the love of God. And yes, continue your work to stay in the present, but now see it more directly, more honestly. You want to stay in the present for only one reason. It is the only place where God your father, he who loves you, your best friend, your companion home, and your home that awaits you can be found. Whenever your mind drifts off into the future or the past, it is very simple what is happening. You are loving the world more than God. That is all that's happening this is not some new reason to criticize yourself. Even children's even little children's minds go off. John was uh John was riding home we, uh with Gail. They had bought one of these new kinds of colas. The ones that have no ingredients <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, he was sipping it and, uh, they were driving and suddenly he said, Oh my God. See, a dispensable minister, children of a dispensable minister can talk that way. Oh my God, I just remembered. Drinking and driving can kill a friendship. was horrified. (laughs) A little thought from the past, something that they snuck in between episodes of Scooby Doo (laughs) to pollute the mind of children. (laughs) Gail explained that this was this referred to drinks that had ingredients. (laughs) Do not be afraid to remember How much you love God. Don't be afraid to do that now. Many of you have been coming here for a long time. You know the path well now. You know who you love. Don't be afraid to admit it to yourself. Don't be afraid to be very direct. Very direct. What do I want? Who do I love? Who am I? Where am I and what am I doing? And when is the time to do it? Only now. Now is the only time it can be done. The door to heaven is open before you and it is called the present. It is now that you must be kind. It is now that you must try to be a little happier than you are now. A little happier a little gentler it is now that you must forgive people get all caught up in not knowing how to forgive they're thinking about the past and the future they're thinking about all the times they have tried to forgive this person and then it comes back the old grievance but you can always forgive this person now and now is the only time you're asked to forgive them So forgive now. Be happy now. Be gentle now. Because this is your Father. It is little teeny reflections, just little shadows, just the merest afterglow of your Father's love for you. And so wrap these little pieces of light all around you. Don't be afraid to be happy in the present. Don't be afraid to do whatever it is you're doing happily and gently and to give it your full attention and to do it impeccably. Don't be afraid of that. This is loving your Father. This is going home. This is filling your mind with Christ. This is being one with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more to it than that. Another question is um, came up this last week was about states and stages and processes that we go through. And we've talked about that here at the Dispensable Church. We've talked about how, for many of you, you're entering a state of confusion about the world. You don't know what to do. Your ego personality is becoming less defined now. You have to pause a second and remember what you believe at parties. (laughs) Suddenly you've forgotten your opinion on this subject and it used to be right on the tip of your tongue. (laughs) Well, actually, it's tip of the tongue. It can't be on the tip, isn't it? If it's on the tip, you don't know it. Where is it on the tongue? (laughs) wherever it, on the tongue it needs to be for you to remember. And so you've begun to question what seemed so certain before. What it was you wanted in life, and these things were knocked down like dominoes one after the other. And, and so you found something that is not of this world that you want that surrounds you and fills you, that you can see in the eyes of even someone who thinks he or she is angry. And so, when you turn away from God for a moment, as we all do a hundred times a day, then you're very confused. You don't know what to do. You don't know what you're supposed to do with your life. And there is this There is this tendency, once we start a spiritual path, to think that we're supposed to do something spiritual in the world. As if there were anything spiritual to do in the world. As if there were a single solitary activity in the whole wide world that was spiritual. And so, in comes this business of, this ego business of not wanting to do what you do best. And that's why people moved to Santa Fe. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed that? They leave the big city where they were doing something quite well and peacefully. There was no conflict about it. They did it well, they knew how to do it, and they could do it in relative peace. But because they did it well, it was suddenly suspect. And so they came to Santa Fe to take up uh, bearing crystals or something. They heard that there was a big calling for this. (laughs) There is, in fact, a big calling for it. It's just that no one will come out to watch you, and certainly no one will pay you. (laughs) But they'll think it's just wonderful. (laughs) Don't be afraid to do what you do well. It is not unspiritual. Isn't this crazy that we get these kinds of notions in our mind? Counseling, giving talks on whole foods. Uh, what? Doing, uh, finding jobs through palmistry. There's, there is, uh, I understand someone who does that. Being what? Being a mystic. A minister, being a minister, (laughs) I... Clearly... (laughs) 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 Is there anything spiritual about this? Of course there isn't. If you could just hear what people say after the service. (laughs) If you could just read some of the letters I get from that little column I write in New Realities magazine. What do you mean? (laughs) I'm receiving direct messages from Helen. She says you're wrong. So it's what we bring to it. It's what we bring to it that makes it either spiritual or not spiritual. It's what we bring to anything that we do. And so we want to look carefully at the things we don't like doing, those things that we hate doing, and do them anyway and try to do them quickly because we hate them so much. We must look at that because that indicates simply that we do not love God. That's all it indicates. So love God then. Love God with that activity and with with, with this other activity. Be happy. Do not be afraid to be happy in everything that you do. There is a way to be happy in any activity. And because of these sad lessons we've all learned, there are many activities and they differ with each person here in which we are not happy. We don't think there's any way to be happy. We don't think a sane person would be happy doing this. And that the truly truly happy people are the ones who have simply found a way to avoid doing them. So you will go through these stages of confusion of crying, of um, electricity. You'll feel electricity when you meditate. Or there will be lights. Lights, music, action. Lights, music, action. You sit down to meditate. It's just that there's no action. This is the thing that's thing. There's the light and the music, and then you wait for the action. And the world's just the same. You get up. You go into the store and it just went off (laughs) sale. And you look back in suspicion on the meditation. Yes, you will go through states and stages. Not one of them is necessary. Most people do go through certain states and stages. Not one of them is necessary. Get through it as quickly as possible. Be as little interested in the state or stage as you possibly can. Do not talk about it to other people. Have you ever sat in on a dark night of the soul discussion? People people uh, comparing great dark nights of the soul? <laughs> Surely you could not have lived in Santa Fe without over well, here <laughs> it is not necessary to go through these things and yet you will and so what do you do when you find yourself in one of these processes or states or stages forget it <laughs> turn back to god it is not god it is not coming from god it is not required as part of your way home it is ego involvement it's innocent it's harmless Never criticize anyone for being in a state or stage. But when you find yourself in one, just realize, I do not have to be delayed by this. Let me go on crying or let me go on having electricity or let me go on feeling transported or let me go on uh, healing warts instantaneously <laughs> or whatever it is you suddenly can do or can't do. And just forget all that Of course, heal the ward if someone brings it to you. Um, But do it quickly and easily and turn back to God. Turn back to God. The ego loves to be interested in these things. It is just fascinated by these things. It doesn't realize it's just looking at itself. You cannot walk home without some ego involvement. You cannot meditate or try to make a decision in peace or anything else without a little ego involvement, at least in the beginning. So it doesn't matter. You sit down to make a decision in peace and perhaps you hear a voice confirming it. Don't worry about that. If you are peaceful about the decision, it is neither good nor bad that you heard a voice. Because you will hear things like, yes, go ahead and buy the car. But of course you realize this is the car in which you will die. I mean, people hear these things. Don't don't pay any attention to that. If it's peaceful to buy the car, buy the car. That's all there is to it. Peace is God. Peace is the path. Peace is all you want. Another question really dealt with uh, confirmation, looking to the world for confirmation. Now, this is especially difficult and confusing when people are working on something like their finances or they're working on something physical. So let's see that you realize that your financial state is delaying you. It's distracting you. That if your finances were more peaceful, they would be less distracting and you could turn to God more often and you'd make quicker progress. And so now you set out to bring your finances to peace. Or let's say that you you realize that there's... There's something about your body that that has been bothering you and it periodically bothers you. And this is a distraction. It's a fear that you carry with you. It's a weight. And so you sit down and as part of your way home, you decide that now, once and for all, you will walk past this physical problem. Well, to the ego, it's the most natural thing that as you do your imagery or your mental work, and as you do the physical things that that come to your mind because you have opened yourself up to options and you try this and you try that just to get past it. That's your reason. It's the most natural thing in the world to the ego to look back and see how it's coming along in the world. How are the finances coming? Is the money coming in? Is the problem going away? What you must realize is that there are a thousand ways for the problem to disappear. A thousand ways. Not just one. And so you don't even know what you are looking for. And this is a difficult thing to, to learn. We do the work, but we do not look at the world for confirmation. We just keep doing the work until it's no longer a problem. But we do not look back at the world to see how it's coming along. This, as I've said so often, is the number one hindrance to our way home, thinking that there is some spiritual reward in the world for our spiritual efforts, that there is some worldly reward for our spiritual efforts. There is not a spiritual reward in the world. There is one in your heart and in your mind and in your perceptions. There is one in your knowing, in your joy. There is one in the real world, which is this world looked at with forgiveness and gentleness. And so you are flooded with love even by what you see in this world. <laughs> flooded with tenderness and love. This is the coming of the real world or this world forgiven. There is an awakening to your reality. There is the feeling and the knowing of the presence of Christ. There is an absolute certainty and a passing away of all fear. There is freedom and hope and deep, deep bonds with all living things. There's indeed a reward, but there is no reward in the world. So even though there are things you must do in the world, there are things you must go beyond, even financial things, even physical things. Do not look to the world to see how well you're doing the work or whether the work is working. So often you hear people say, Well, it's working or it's not working, meaning that they've looked back to the world for confirmation. I realize this is an extremely difficult habit to break, but just begin breaking it. Watch it. Watch how often it is important to you how the day goes, how something goes, what someone says, whether someone's on time, whether or not something breaks. Everything breaks. Every single solitary thing in the world breaks. You should not be surprised that this thing just broke. (laughs) Okay, one final question and then if you have some things you want to talk about, we'll do that. Um, This is a question about the ego and whether or not Basically, it's a question of whether or not we improve our ego. The answer is no, you do not improve your ego. Your ego stays its same shabby self (laughs) until you relinquish it. But as long as you have not relinquished it, it is no better than any other person's ego. It is different, but not better. This is a very helpful concept. This is nothing to be afraid of. So what you do, and we've talked about this before, is you learn simply not to identify with it, not to think of your ego's feelings as your feelings. Yes, you realize your ego is excited or angry or depressed, but you simply don't feel any necessity to do anything about that, to take it up, to give it significance. You see, your body is stirred up and you think, oh, I'm I'm excited, or it's hot, and you say, oh, I'm angry, or something like that. And before, it seemed as if it was very important that we do something about that, that we uh, at least go run and ask someone questions and ask them for help about it. It isn't necessary to do that. Just let your ego go on being itself. It will play out its little lessons, and it will, con- it will never let go of anything completely. So you, in fact, have not let go of any problem. You simply are, inter- are not interested in it any longer. If you were to look carefully, you would see your ego still has the problem. But you're just not taking it up. It's a little fish that swims by in the stream of thought. Ha, how do you like that analogy? <laughs> And you simply don't reach down and pick it up, that's all. Before, you always grabbed it. Notice how many thoughts go through your mind that you don't do anything about. How many little judgments you have of other people that you pay no attention to at all. Notice the next time you're around a dear friend, someone that you're comfortable with, you're peaceful with, you're easy with. Notice, just look at your ego and see the little judgments about how they dress, what they say, what they just did and you don't get angry. The anger's there, you could get angry, you could take it up and follow it, or the judgment, and you could take it up and follow it. But with this person, you have chosen not to do that. You can choose not to do it 24 hours a day. Leave your ego in place. It will not improve in any way whatsoever. So a good thing, since we do, in fact, identify with our ego in some ways, we do take these things up, a real good spiritual practice is to check with yourself every once in a while, just to check in on your ego every once in a while. You cannot do this too often and ask, what is my ego up to now? (laughs) This is really a very good thing to do. Well, what is my ego? Because what you want to do is to get to the point where you don't have to undo these mistakes. Most of the people here are still at the stage where they make the mistake and then they've got to get out of it. They dig the hole and then they've got to climb out of the hole. And this is, of course, much better than just lying down and kicking and screaming and saying, Oh, I'm in a hole, I'm in a hole. It's much better to go ahead and climb out of it. But this is a very tiresome thing to do, and there's a better way. Don't get in the hole in the first place. And you can do this. You must be patient with yourself, because you are going to continue to dig some very old, familiar holes and jump into them. But nevertheless, climb out of those and watch now. Perhaps watch how you got yourself into that one. Go back. Trace your thoughts back, and as far back as you can, and see how it all started in your mind, not, with, not in the world. It started in your mind, and then it took form in the world. So it's because you took up some line of thought that the, that the problem manifested. And so what you wish to do is catch it earlier. And one way to do that, you see, we we start out in the morning, we've had a real good meditation, we're peaceful, and then something happens, doesn't it? Now, what you want to do is to see what happened. Uh, uh, Yesterday, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I reached down to pull the drain open and the handle broke on the drain. And about, I didn't, realize that I accepted the thought right at that point because Gail and I have been trying to keep the house just perfect as if nothing ever goes wrong in our house because it's for sale Um, and one more thing had gone wrong and this was never going to stop that was the thought it's never going to stop well of course it's never going to stop (laughs) but Along with the thought of it's never going to stop was the thought it never, it it should stop. This is not right. This is not natural. Now, if I had been checking at that point, what is my ego up to? I could have caught that a little sooner and it wouldn't have taken me quite as long to let go of it. As it was, it took me about five minutes to let go of it. I had to sit down with Gail, and let go of the whole thing. I first of all I had to trace it back. Because then what happened was there, there was this, this, this general sense of depression. I didn't even know what had happened. I was just depressed. And Gail said, are you depressed? I said, no, no, I'm not depressed. <laughs> she said, I think you're depressed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, I'm depressed. Let's sit down. <laughs> no. So I sat down. I couldn't believe that something so stupid as the drain You know, that that had been the thing, but it had been. That's that's when I took in the thought. So I let it all go, do you see? But this is a practice that I use. I check constantly on my ego. Okay, what are you doing now? What are you saying now? What is it you're trying to get me caught up in now? And then you realize, ah, you don't have to get caught up in this. There is no reason to get caught up in this. And you begin catching these things sooner and sooner. And that's when you will begin experiencing entire days of peace. Because you never get caught up a single time. You'll begin to see the possibility of this. Many of you do not believe in that possibility that you could have one day of pure peace. But you can. You can have day upon day upon day. Of course, there will still be a setback every now and then. And you will start over. But the way to do it is to catch it as soon as you possibly can, look in your heart, and see what is truly important. Okay, does anybody have anything they'd like to talk about? Yes.
1: Uh, I do do see how confusing (laughs) this can get. And my mind is coming up with a lot of questions. The one that, the one that really, a feeling that really struck me was the separation. And I do, when I'm real down and out, feel very separate from the world, and I don't want that. Right. And I, I think that that's been something that can come and go through my whole life, and most people, the sense of separation. Yes. When I try to understand, comprehend that the world is a dream, the image that comes up is separate myself from causes, from people here, from people in my life, and try to embrace God. And so there is this, and then I go, no, I don't want separation. Right. And so my question is,
0: or I don't even know if I have a question, it's just, well there's the, still there. the question may be that you're thinking of the, of people and the world as the same thing and so when it when you hear concepts such as uh we must turn from the world uh and so forth we must walk home which means leave the world then this seems to be mean abandoning people there there, there is a difference between Your brothers and your sisters, and all the bodies you see around you. How sad it is if we think that our brothers and sisters are these bodies. Look at all the sad things that are happening to them. There are people now who do not even want to bring a child into the world because they think of a child as only a body. And if you were to think of a child as only a body, of course you wouldn't want it in this world. But it is not, it is not a body. And children understand this so simply and beautifully. I've never been around a very young child who did not understand completely that the person didn't die. person, someone, someone just seems to die. They are just totally aware that the person's still there. And all this comforting that people try to do, and, and they get very confused because the, they think, well, the child must not really love their their aunt or their mom or wh- whoever just seemed to die because they're not sad. They're not sad because they know that the mother hasn't left. The mother's right there, whispering gently in their ears, you see. So look at the bond that you have with people. Notice that it doesn't depend on whether they are there or not there. Notice that the closeness that you feel with other people has nothing to do as to whether or not they're in the room or not in the room. Notice that sometimes you can be in the room with someone and feel very alone. And someone can be very far away and you can feel extremely close to them. So you do know on some level that there is a deep bond between you and other people and nothing breaks this. And many of you have had the experience of someone dying and realizing that there was not one tiny hitch in the bond. It didn't even flicker. As a matter of fact, if anything, it seems to be stronger because there's not this confusing thing of, is the person this or is the person this? The person is found in your heart. So what we awake to, to use the dream analogy, is that we are together. We have never hated each other. All these judgments and angers and so forth were just silly nonsense. We never meant it. And we can laugh gently at it. There has been no betrayal. And this is what you begin to see. And and many of you have seen this. Haven't you? Haven't you just walked down the street in a state of peace and felt a very deep closeness with the people who were passing you by? On the street, you didn't know them. You would never see their bodies again. But there was a warmth and a closeness. Wasn't there? That is a tiny, tiny recognition of reality. A turning away from just the smallest, smallest part of our mind that's having this hallucination. That we're all separate. That we all have to do it alone. By ourselves. And that's not the fact. You cannot do it alone. You can only do it with all of our help. And you've got it. Elaborate on friendship? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> question: <laughs> The question was, "Would I elaborate on friendship?" There seems to be a different definition of it in Santa Fe.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, here's a direct question, and I will answer it honestly. But once again, please notice that this will this will raise more questions. <laughs> So, once again, let me remind you that there are no questions in God. That means there are no questions in you. Only your ego has questions. Now, of course, we can get so caught up in our ego, and I do this and all of us do this, that we have a question that won't go away, and so perhaps it's best to get it answered or to get an answer to it since there is no one answer to a question. Since the question is invalid from the beginning, there is no one answer to it. So you just get enough answer or an adequate answer to make it go away. Any answer will do. (laughs) The question isn't God and you want to get back walking to home, so put the question to rest. That's all you wish to do. So here's the answer to the question, or at least here is an answer to the question. Friendship is an ego value. It has nothing to do with reality. That is the answer to it. Friendship in the world is taking sides and favoring people. And a person is your friend one day, and inexplicably, they're not the next. And children begin seeing this lesson over and over at an extremely early age on the playground. Someone is their best friend one day, and they're not the next, and they cannot understand this. The ego thinks that because of this very unstable state of friendship, which it says is a very great and wonderful ideal, even though it's so terribly unstable and causes everyone so much unhappiness, that we therefore must have lots of friends. Our safety lies in lots of friends and it is very dangerous. So one of the many things that Gail and I have been told is you are leaving lots of friends and you're going to a teeny town. You are going to be in big trouble soon. He said. Because this is the way the ego looks at it. Got to have lots of money In the bank and so forth. You've got to have lots of health. It doesn't matter that you can uh, snatch and jerk and snatch whatever it is. (laughs) Three hundred pounds. It's got to be three hundred fifty pounds. Whatever the thing is. You can't run five miles. You've got to be able to run twenty. You've got to be able to enter a marathon. whatever the thing is. you got to have more health, more friends, more whatever the thing is. Safety in numbers is an ego value. You do not need many friends. It's simply not true. It's fine to have just a few friends. And you do not need any one particular person's friendship. Now, Here's what the ego does with this answer. It starts looking at its friendships and thinking that it shouldn't have any. Uh Uh-oh, Hugh says you're not supposed to have friends. I didn't say that. I said in the world, friendship is an ego value. It has nothing to do with spirituality. You do not need a particular person's friendship and you do not need lots of friends. So let your life be. In the world, that's all you wish to do is to take your hands off of your life. Just go ahead and live it. Do what you do well. You don't have to do what you do well if you'd rather do something else and do it poorly. <laughs> and of course, I realize that's what many people do. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes them very happy, so that's fine. <laughs> that's, that's perfectly all right. But it's all right leave your life alone. You do not have to do anything to the world, and you do not have to do anything to your personality, and you do not have to do anything to your friendships, and you do not have to do anything to anything in the world. Just be a gentle breeze. Walk on water. That's what it means. Be that harmless. Don't change anything in the world. Just leave it and bless it and walk home to your Father. And you will see you have not abandoned, nor are you abandoning anyone. Just the opposite. You abandon people when you try to clutch them to you and run after them. And say, you must give me this symbol of love and that symbol of love, And if you really loved me, you wouldn't say this and you wouldn't do that. The Course says the ego brings bodies together so that minds will separate. And you see this so often. You've got to marry me, you've got to marry you, and got to marry me tomorrow. And what's this doing? It's dividing the minds. It doesn't care as long as it has the semblance of love. You are showered with brothers and sisters. You lack nothing. You owe no one anything except all of your love. And notice that friendship does not call for that. Ego friendship. It calls for Reciprocity, a certain amount of it. Okay, let's close our eyes. And let's dwell on God for just a moment. Allow your gaze to see... How simple God is. So simple that He doesn't even understand the soap opera. And so He doesn't even tune it in. So simple that He wouldn't think of leaving you in a nightmare. So simple that He loves you and blesses you and your children and your parents, and your friends, and every living thing. So simple that he sees the truth, and has no interest in all the craziness. This vast, vast ocean of love for you, because you include all your brothers and sisters. They are in your heart and you will take every one of them with you to heaven. So gaze on the simplicity of God, the simplicity of peace. And right now, let your mind and your heart become so simple that you know that this is everything that you want. And resolve now, this coming week, not to be confused, not to have questions. Resolve now to simply say, I don't need to understand this because God is the answer.